Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Talk Architecture Podcast. I'm your host, Naziati Muhammad Yaqub, and today's episode is part of the Season 12 itinerary, aim, and agenda on architecture education and architecture practice. And in particular, we have discerned from our last conversation that we had with architect Wei Lo Kuang on the issue of the design thesis and how it is an important year as part of the whole journey of a student of architecture at the very beginning. So we would like to focus on this in this episode in particular. In the next episode, we will hear of opinions from um, Gary Yeo, who has recently graduated from the master's degree. So we have different opinions from different um, levels of um, where people come from different levels, as fresh graduate, um, five years into architecture, 10 years, mid-level, senior, um, you know, people from academia, people from uh, architecture practice, people have, who are award-winning architects, such as uh, Architect We. So, therefore, what we're going to find out are consensual opinions or similar opinions. We, of course, would hear of the differing opinions. And then I'd like to summarize the consensual thoughts, such as the design thesis. And in particular, uh, I will call him Lok Wee. In particular, Lok Wee said the importance of how a fifth-year student choose their own topic, seek um, the supervisor, or the tutor who comes from the industry. So the industrial um, or the industry background is an important factor because one would argue so as well because fifth year, after fifth year, you are going into the industry. The next year will be your fresh graduate going into the industry. So it's imperative that by the end of fifth year, you gain more confidence and be much more relaxed to go into the industry. Whether or not your, to- your topic is very academic or that your topic is not a commercial or something that is industrially related um, uh, in terms of the obvious um, building types, it could be an interest- interesting topic that you would like to to touch upon um, could be to do with 
women in architecture or a juvenile detention center, something that you would not normally do when you go into the industry, obviously. But it's something that you want to do very much. And getting someone from the industry is an important factor. So, look, we also mentioned, which I agree, that there is no paradigm shift in terms of architecture education courses and schools of architecture in Malaysia that shows that we actually understand what architecture education is. So this is what I myself have been struggling as well. If I were to teach a design thesis unit, I'd want somebody who is from the industry to be leading with me, at least, I'm not going to be the one giving the instructions so much in terms of how the studio will be run, but I will facilitate that process where the design thesis is, um, you know, uh, have in its processes with the student uh, all the learning that is needed to be learned and all the confidence that needs to be gained with the teamwork or collaboration with the industry, um, external critiques. So that's what I was doing a lot. And I know that was important. But of course, people don't know that. So that's why the need to have a validation from the industry players such as Lok Wee, who said it frankly, apart from Kevin Mountno, obviously, you know, and we could ask others, obviously, from the industry who would probably agree. I've seen those from the industry being in design thesis courses in other universities, even leading the unit. So I see a lot of encouragement from the students reactions of how they are learning and they were happy about this. Whether or not the schools, um, full-time academicians like it or not is something else. We have seen that um, in the AA school how the late Alvin Boyarsky uh, managed to juggle uh, different personalities and some are not architects even um, to be leaders uh, in uh, leading the diploma units, for example, uh, similar to the master's studio. So we have seen that and how the students decided to follow a certain unit and, and you know, there's a lot of reading, a lot of trying to understand the subject, a lot of, there is a method that was it's not only about the subject, it's also about the method, which is even another step further than just what we do in schools of architecture in Malaysia. So that is one thing. Another thing is who is leading is another thing as well. So the academicians don't have to lead the design thesis fifth-year courses. All they need to do is facilitate the teamwork, the... Um, Deliverables, shall we say, 
So the deliverables, even Kevin Montlow, when he was in the design thesis unit with me, he would, he would tell the students, we need to have these drawings. But the learning is different. So we look into the design problems. We look into master planning if necessary. We look into very detail. We look into different interdisciplinary, even engineering, medicine, and so on to get into the design problems. So that was something that I was into as well. So a lot of complementary uh, way of um, seeing the problem with the students, which helped a lot in the collaborative processes. Let us get back to the point at hand regarding this episode Design thesis is as a pivotal year and instrumental lifelong learning, especially the first part of a student's architectural journey. So we ask the question, how long does it take to be an architect that you need to be? There were suggestions that you really come into maturity as an architect after many years of practice at the age of 40. So let's, for the sake of argument, uh, consider 35 as the age when you start being a mid-level architect. So just say 35 and then five years later, you can go out on your own, right? So this is the perception at the age of um, 23, 25 would be when you finish your master's. At the age, then 10 years later, you have enough experience to be in mid-level architect as a mid-level architect and go to senior level architect, or you can strike out on your own. So after 40, you could be owning your own company or be a director and right until whatever age that you wish to uh, practice. Uh, later, you may dabble in other things uh, apart from architecture. So let's say that maybe 4% of those who started out in a batch, just say theoretically, 4%, um, will be the real leaders and critical thinkers. Not only they are directors, CEOs, or striking out on their own, they are also the real leaders and critical thinkers in society. And they could be, be it could be beyond architecture, yeah? urban design, or it could be just society, social, environmental issues. Um, so the real or uh, leaders and critical thinkers are those who, um, uh, the, you know, are, are their own person. So what about the ninety six percent of the rest of them? So if ten percent will be the general CEOs and directors of architectural companies, may they be commercial companies, then that will leave us into to eighty six percent. So out of this 86% of those graduated from a fictional, not fictional, uh, a general batch, yeah? um, say 50% will earlier on opt out of architecture to do other totally different career path or related design career paths. There could be graphic designers or product designers um, and other design career paths, interior design and so on, 
or they do other thing like film direction, um, arts across, um, totally com- other other commercial things, even own cafes and restaurants. So we say fifty percent opt out of architecture. So what happens to the thirty six percent? So what I'm interested in, besides the leaders and the directors of companies and those who decided not to do architecture, is the one that decided to still be in architecture. That 36%, or maybe 36 to 50% of the original batch, okay, of students that graduated from, a, from the schools of architecture. So how is this absorbed in the workforce of architecture, planning, and construction? They'll be at different levels. But if you're in a traditional path, just say after 10 years, like I said, from 25 to 35, after 10 years at mid-level architect, you'd want to be somewhere else after that because you're in the architectural um, industry, which may be related to the construction industry. Just say you decided to be a project manager. That relates more to project management and um, quantitative surveying and contractors, obviously. So that's a different sort of career path in a way that you know you could be taking, or you could be thinking, okay, I'm, there's not much money in architecture practice, so I'm going to go and work with a developer. This is quite common. I've seen a lot of my former students at the age of 35, 30, 35, decided to work with developers, yeah? So they would still be doing design, but they would be looking at design from the client's point of view. They're not, in true respect, the traditional architect, right? So this 36%, you know, this number is just notional for them at the moment for our discussion here. So the bigger aims of making a career out of architecture for the individual and in... So we're talking about individual, the career of the individual. And we're talking about the board of architects' interest in the career of the individual and how it affects the industry. Because this architect who went in the traditional way is a highly specialized professional. No, uh, no one else can do their job, right? And it is a job. The architect's job is not an easy job. And they call it the jack of all trades, master of none. So you, you, you know, this is a, in the part three examination um, criteria as well, or the, uh, the professional um, registered architect exams in different countries the idea that the architect who passed this exam has went through all the different processes from conceptual schematic tender documentation to contract implementation and uh, completion. So meaning that a sizable uh, size of a building uh, was being dealt with by this architect in a different manner and in particularly in contractual aspects and learning about the regulations that is connected or 
needed to be known when you deal with the local authorities and so on, because that contractual part is what people want registered architects to be, to be responsible for, uh, to be responsible on behalf of the client uh, and responsible on behalf of um, the authorities as well. The architect has to be, has to be um, mindful of all that is required to be, to be done so that the project is not, um, not a project that is contravening with the laws and regulations of the country. So this 36% deals with that aspect of the, the main development of architecture in a country. And in many countries, they have similar laws, obviously. Malaysia has similar laws to the United Kingdom. But um, as time goes by, you develop different laws, of course. But this, the basic framework is there. And that's why I could safely say that in the architecture, um, the building construction processes start with similar things. In anywhere else in this world as well, and uh, you know, when you say about the UK, there's all the Commonwealth countries as well that adopted and adapted to their context. Uh, the the United Kingdom's uh, framework. So going back to the design thesis as a pivotal year, an instrumental lifelong. Ex a learning experience for a year you could have somebody from the industry assist the student in the design thesis where as i said design thesis as a pivotal moment after four years then you have the fifth year before you go to the industry and there's a chance for you as a design thesis student to do a year-long study and investigate the topic of your choosing and you could be um, given a chance to work someone with the industry. So that gave you more confidence about um, moving forward. We, and I've mentioned about the AA model earlier. So if you think about it, um, there, you will have a connection where you can build a learning relationship with a, um, a mentor where you investigate a phenomenon. So how does the School of Architecture do that thing um, where the School of Architecture has this practitioner role in it and in the design thesis here and how to make this role much more prominent than the role of the academic. Okay, the academic who is in charge of that year, the design thesis year, sets the theme and the direction. And for example, the requirements that the school want the student to do. So the external critique or um, the supervisor from the, from the industry has their style and their way 
to assist the student and at least the student can can you know uh, have a different uh, be experience a different way of approach because it's highly specialized and that method or methodology that the person employ um, is accepted in the whole system as well so can that be done in Malaysia because that hasn't been done yet and that's when look we mentioned about the paradigm shift this is the thing that I and him had agreed so so when look we mentioned as well that the supervisor and external critique somebody could be interested in similar things that what he does like timber architecture and so the design thesis the decision will look into the design problem of timber architecture and find a suitable ty- typology of the issue and work with that tutor so um so the way the design thesis program is designed to accommodate to the endeavor of achieving the design problems relating to the typology and design problems relating to timber architecture following the set of guidelines to fulfill the school's requirement that is not happening yet in Malaysian schools of architecture so so that's why why doesn't the school of architecture in Malaysia accept this way uh, or this approach because it really helps with the decision making that student make and decision making gain make them gain confidence and you'd want somebody to get to a level of intellectual and con- conceptual confidence or skills so the school just needs someone to facilitate that so here we we see that that is a conundrum and being inside before being an academic before i wanted to show by having my unit run by a practitioner and me collaborating with the running and and the direction and the philosophy of that unit i wanted to show an example that the school of architecture can adopt but the school of architecture did not want to they decided to focus on the academic uh, the different academic heading the unit and the practitioner just um assisting like uh, external critique so there is not much intellectual rigor in that there's not much in terms of um uh challenges to this challenges are important for students of architecture to 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 face on and try to complete these challenges so that however difficult it is they would um gain from it and much more in terms of skills and competence and confidence to face uh, working life so 
the design thesis, as you know, there's a lot of episodes that I have touched upon in this uh, podcast. Uh, going back to April 2020, when I started the podcast on design thesis uh, and architecture curriculum and design thesis was um, raised again and again throughout the year and into the 2021s. So we come here at 2023 with um, um, post-interview uh, with Architect Lowe and we're going to look forward to another episode on architecture education and industry with someone who just graduated and who mentioned to me that he is not doing the traditional architecture work, but he's being the office manager of an architecture company, no, no doubt, but learning about architecture in that way. So um, there's no straight and narrow path. It's the right path. So the right path is could have a lot of mistakes and and falling down and, and, and doing something that's experimental. But the right path is the path of discovery, the true path that you want to discover your sense of self and sense of who this identity as an architect. If you embrace the identity of the architect, um, what is an architect to you, then it's easier because you love that part of yourself, of being that architect, and that sense of purpose that you need to go forward. So, so this is the uh, podcast episode that de- deals with this issue of how instrumental design thesis is in the light of the architecture education of a particular student's journey. So do not take for granted of this year. Do not take for granted of how much importance this year is in terms of gaining confidence and setting you up for the industry and getting to be that architect that you need to be at the age of 35, 10 years down the road, of uh, 40 when you set out on your own. So there will be other challenges during in practice, but at least... This concludes, the design thesis will conclude that five years and how you tackle the next few years into professional practice uh, by being a registered architect. So we're looking at the 36% or maybe debatable, the 50, 36 to 50% of those graduating will be doing the traditional architecture. I'm still thinking 30% is still, <coughs> 36% is still a big a big um, population uh, or a big number or percentage of people still following the traditional architectural path, but um, there, there is no longitudinal study. There is no, I, I, can't, I can't find any for the Malaysian um, architects. So it would be interesting to, if there was such a study made, and asking the real questions needed to be asked. So thank you, for, uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I hope you got something from this. And do um, catch the next episode where we interview Gary O. Thank you.